Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, really exciting today, I think, for all those, especially those data nerds out there. Um, we have a special guest with us and welcome Kent Lardner from Suburb Trends. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Melinda. We are really excited to have you. Um, I have to uh, confess, I'm super excited to have you on our podcast, Kent. Um, you know, as a self-professed data nerd myself, um, I get really excited by the work that you do, um, not only in helping people understand at a more granular level what's happening on, but also when I see some of this data um, correlate with what we're seeing on the ground, that gets me excited because Right now, um, in the environment that we're in, the mass media love to take a message based on capital city median value trends. But I think we all know that, um, you know, when we're looking at data at a capital city level, it doesn't necessarily reflect what's happening. Kent, the purpose behind your work, help us understand a little bit more um, about why why you've, you've created these um, reports and, and the website and the information that you share. Yeah, um, so my background started uh, doing analysis of individual properties and then also looking at uh, market risk, but from a, a valuous perspective. So that's kind of how I worked into this, doing designing property valuation models or AVMs as they call them. And um, so where it really took me is I, I looked at a lot of people abusing or misunderstanding measure, measurement of markets, specifically suburbs, you know, the top 10 growth suburb, which yeah. is my, you know, the thing I hate the most. And, and I really thought, okay, how do, we, how do we unpack that? How do we explain that in simple language? And one of my favourite and most simple charts is the old price segments, you know, looking at how many properties sell down low and how many sell in the middle and how many sell up high and just converting that into something that's uh, bigger and better and, and bolder over the years. And um, so what I've done with Suburb Trends now is I've created something called Suburb Map, which is a a, a design to really help you analyze a suburb in seconds. So really give you all the stuff you want, clicking through icons and instantly getting a grasp of what makes a suburb tick. And uh, what I've recently added is a ranking of the top 20 streets in each suburb. And the reason why I've done that is if you've got listings uh, in a market that's a little bit volatile or an interesting suburb, if you don't have any properties listed for sale in the top 20 streets, it might tell you something about that suburb that people are holding back and you know might, that might drag the, the prices down in that suburb, uh, not, not necessarily because prices are going down, it's just the composition of what's for sale. So that was one of the reasons for the top 20 streets analysis. So you can understand and if a market drops a fair bit and you start to see listings come up and available in the top 20, that's a good sign as well because you know I regret in past purchases not buying in the top streets. Yeah. So that was the, the reason for it. Um, today, specifically, we're looking at uh, the Brisbane market and to your point about you know the capital city, um, we used to use local government areas back in the day and Brisbane was guilty of becoming the blob and mm. it just grew and grew and absorbed everything. So it became a capital city. Um, so the LGA effectively is the capital city. But as you'll see from our report when we talk through it, um, when we subdivide it into smaller markets, not as granular as a suburb, but into something called a statistical area three or an SA3, um, it's, it's a bit of a Goldilocks measure um, because the cities are too big, the suburbs are often too small and jump around the, the place and 
often have too few sales or their price distribution has a, a lump down the bottom and a lump in the middle and then a couple of lumps up the top. And it depends on what's listed for sale as to what that suburb decides to do in terms of its median, where the statistical area three generally behaves and is more normally distributed and is a better measure through time. So again, the capital city's just that bit too big, suburbs just a bit too small, SA3 just about right. And just for those that um, aren't data nerds like Kent and myself, um, I'll just break down why this becomes even more important because when we're looking at property, most property data is reported as the median value. Now, if you remember back from school days, um, that the median value is the middle score. So every property that sells is ranked from the lowest value property right up through to the top highest value property. And you pick out the middle score, that is the median value. That is what the um, property data typically represents. It's not an average because obviously outlayers can really cause um, averages to move more than a median. So from what Kent's saying, when we're looking at a median and we're looking at a whole city, it's less representative um, to rely on a whole capital city median value trend because what's happening in the inner city might be very different to what's happening, um, you know, 30 or 40 kilometres from the CBD. Uh, likewise, at a suburb level, if you've only got um, seven or eight properties transacting in a, in a specific period of time, your median value is um, influenced by the composition of what has actually sold. So that middle score of what sold out of those seven or eight properties is likely to be very different to what typically is the trend for that suburb. So I just wanted to unpack that for those people that didn't understand median values. So, so Kent, you mentioned earlier, and I guess for our listeners as well, um, you mentioned about checking your own street out. Obviously, if people are people are curious and interested, they can go to your website and put in their own address. So yeah, suburb. Uh, suburb. Yeah, just enter a suburb and we do the top 20 rankings. How we do that is we, uh, we do a, an automated valuation model, AVM price estimate for every house in the street. Uh, we only count the streets that we can do 10 of those or more just to try and get a little bit more significance. Uh, and there's constraints with, with any of these measurement systems, but it's a good, good general measure. Uh, so what we do is then take the median of those 10 or more uh, house value estimates uh, and then compare and, and rank them. And I think that's um, a really useful tool also because on your website, you can have a look at the top ranked streets, but you can also understand if some of the most recent sales have occurred in those top ranked streets. Um, because if they haven't, what that might actually show you as a property buyer or someone that's interested in property price movements is that the top part of the market are simply not selling their homes or, or have not listed their homes. Or if they have listed, they're still sitting on the market and they haven't transacted. And however, if you're seeing a large volume of those most recent sales occur from those top streets, it tells a very different story. And it's talking to that compositional bias that I know we've uh, talked a lot about on the Brisbane Property Podcast previously. Kent, I know uh, before we hit record, we talked about the impact of things like the Brisbane floods and how that can change the composition of what sells. And also it can change the, the volume of sales in a, in a given location. Um, can you help us understand what you observed off the back of the, the flooding event here in Brisbane earlier? Yeah, look, I've looked at the flooding events in Brisbane over a few years. I remember doing it once with a fellow by the name of Kevin Turner on Radio 4BC back yep. in the day. And, and what we found was that people have a very short memory. So the long-term impact is short memories, but the short-term impact the first thing to go is rents. So you know, effectively see the rental market 
you know, if there are any available vacancies, they're gone. So the rental market's impacted in a very positive way. And you'd expect that house prices would obviously go down because of the flood impact. But what typically happens um, defies logic. And more often than not, uh, listings volumes go down, significantly go down. As a result, uh, if demand stays somewhere near close to where it was, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. So what happens is um, more often than not, uh, prices just don't seem to have that expected dip that you think. Um, Ultimately, the conclusion is, and there have been a number of white papers across the world on this, the ultimate thing that changes prices after a flood is if the insurance policies change. So if you can't insure the property, prices will change ongoing. And we found that Lismore has been impacted significantly for that reason. Mm. So if you're in a market where insurance does not change, insurance policies don't change, um, you find that people have a very short memory and things bounce back to normal very quickly. If insurance change, all bets are off. Well, look, I think um, I'm excited to get into some of this data and, um, you know, I'd like to, to say thank you for putting the time into preparing this report uh, specifically for Brisbane. Um, this report will be available as a download for um, listeners, so check out the show notes to get access to this report. But this is going to provide some great information for people looking to buy in Brisbane or understand what's actually been really happening. Ken, just, just before we do jump into it, and I know that um, we had a bit of a chat beforehand, as Melinda mentioned, but can you, can you get, give our listeners just a little bit of an explanation before we jump in? Because I know you, you two will probably start talking 100 mile an hour with all this <laughs> data, but can you just give us a little bit of an explanation um, and a breakdown of what we're actually going to talk about? Because you've got some um, house inventory, house listings, house prices, um, and then obviously there's some more information there about that and the trend. So... Can you give it just a little bit of an explanation before we, we jump into it? Sure. So what we've done is we've carved Brisbane up into those SA3s, those smaller areas. So they're not, you know, they're, they're several suburbs large. And we'll talk about some of the suburbs that pertain to each one as we go. So they're called SA3s. We've ch- uh, chunked them up. Then what we do is we'll look at something called inventory. What is inventory? It's a measure of how many listings compared to how many sales. And, and it's expressed as months of inventory. So um, a good way to think of it is nothing, if nothing else listed in your suburb uh, and there were three months of stock or three months of inventory, it would take three months to clear the shelves and have nothing left available to sell. So the beauty of that then is um, we can measure what it is currently, how many months of stock we have today, and we can look at the trend. And the way we measure that is, for example, if we've got 100 uh, listings, and there are 20 sales per month on average, 100 divided by 20, five months of inventory. And typically what I'm looking for, I'm looking most closely at that trend. Is it growing or is it declining? And that usually has a three, four, maybe a five-month lag. You'll see that impact the price, and you will see that in the charts we're talking to. And if you download the report, you'll see it. So that's the first one is inventory. Very big in the US, not as big here just yet, but but it's my favourite. Uh, house listings is fairly um, straightforward. I look at properties that we can match to a, a proper address, a government address, and that's all we count so we don't double count. And then price, and the price is a rolling 90-day median, mm-hmm. and that looks at uh, agent advised sales. So we get a really early read on that. So as soon as an agent publishes their sale price, it can roll up and be reported upon pretty much straight away. 
I like the use of the inventory measure because what that also um, considers is the sales volume in a location, not just how many properties are listed, but how many are selling. So it's almost a combined indication of supply and demand because it, it shows well, what is selling. So if in uh, looking at the first suburb, which I know we'll get to, and we can track not only what the trend is month to month over the last 12 months, but we can then pinpoint, well, where was it 12 months ago and where is it now? And that also tells a different story uh, because it, it tells us, you know, compared to the crazy market that we were in 12 months ago and for Brisbane, we were really hitting our peak demand or demand period this time last year, um, whereas now we're, we're in a more normal market, you know, and and therefore, you know, the way we can actually interpret this data really helps us to understand and, and overlay what we're seeing on the ground. So I'd like to jump straight into the first area. And um, in this report, um, Kent has kindly provided a breakdown of every SA3 region in Brisbane. We're only going to talk about um, seven of the most interesting trends or seven of the most interesting SA3 areas that, that show some interesting trends in this podcast today. And the first of these areas um, is in the Brisbane inner SA3 region. What I'd like to, to point out first and foremost is just in relation to the inventory levels that um, we talked about there, when we compare where they were back in October 2021 to where they are today, um, we had about five months of inventory um, this time last year, whereas now we're down to four months of inventory. So, um, and yet when I look at the, the house listing um, total house listings, uh, there's more house listings on the market. So I interpret that to be a higher level of buyer activity. Is that the correct interpretation, Kent? Perfect, perfect. There's always a bit of a lag in the sales volumes. So so we always account for that. But if after a few months you see the trend line holding firm, um, it's fair to draw that conclusion. And, you know, the, the, the inner market's a unique market. It's not an, it's not an area that has massive uh, listings volume. So, you know, we're typically looking at the valley through to, you know, the Gabba and in between. So, um, you know, it's not a not a massive housing market like we would compare to the outer burps. Uh, and we're only looking at houses here. So with that call out, um, typically um, uh, what we're looking at with Brisbane Inner uh, is a really, I'd probably say the, the biggest and most interesting trend here is prices started to, to dip down because they did reach a very, very high median of just above a couple of mil back at the start of the year. And then they dipped down a bit and then they probably floored it around May and now they've climbed back up again. And I think what we'll find with Brisbane Inner is a lot of it is driven by composition. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really because you've got a lot of very expensive suburbs that sometimes have very, very few listings. Hmm. And your report also breaks down the that composition of, of that change in, in data in terms of the number of properties that have sold below the median for that SA3 and the number of properties that have sold above. So for Brisbane Inner, um, you've got um, a 90-day rolling median of 43%. Just explain to our listeners, what does that mean? Yeah, so what I've done is I've compared how many listings currently, as of today, how many listings... I could filter out that was sitting above the current SA3 house median. And at the moment, that's just 43% for Brisbane Inner. So yeah. it's a little bit lower, whereas we, some of the other areas we'll cover when we do through, go through the other six, uh, you'll find a lot of them a lot higher than that. So what that tells me um, is that there's a little bit of a bias that might drag that price down a little bit. 
um, because it's you know usually the perfect fit figure would be around the fifty percent mark. But you know, give or take, there's a slight bias down. So I think the compositional bias for Brisbane Inner is to see prices actually come down a little little bit this time around in the next few months because of the composition of what's listed for sale. So it's not a extraordinarily heavy bias, but it's a significant bias. And I think that is um, a really important thing to pull out of your report. What we're seeing is the overall median value trend might be moving up or down, in this case in the Brisbane inner, potentially down, but that may not be because the value of properties as a whole in that location is trending down, but that's more likely to be that the composition of properties that are selling below the median value is a higher proportion of total sales than the, than the properties selling above the median. I think that's an absolutely fascinating um, thing to discover within the data, Kent. Yeah, and it's only a new finding for me. I, you know, I was getting, I got some criticism, and uh, the criticism was, you know, this is too, this you can't measure this particular area of inner Melbourne, for example, um, because of the composition. It's, you know, it's all over the place. And I thought, well, how do I measure that? And I, I've been experiment, experimenting with some different measurement systems, and this is just one of the different approaches to it. But um, it was a, a very fair criticism. And I took that on the chin, and you can see here that yes, prices have gone up, but you can see. They've gone up through to about September and they're just starting to come down again. I think they're going to continue down, but a lot of that downwards trend for the inner Brisbane inner is going to be because of what's what's listed for sale. And there's a bias towards the cheaper stuff at the moment. Fascinating. And for those that missed it earlier, so in that Brisbane inner region, um, 43% of the, the properties listed for sale are above that median value and the balance, which is the much larger portion, are below the current median value. So there is, um, to some extent, some compositional bias in that market um, that people need to be aware of when they're looking at an overall data trend. If we, if we jump across to another one, and as we said earlier, we're going, we're picking seven um, out of this whole report. Um, so Brisbane Inner West. Yes. Um, so obviously quite a diverse uh, market as well. As so I'll just flick flick through on I've gone past the east, north. Now we're down to Brisbane Inner West. So um, Brisbane Inner West, I think some of the suburbs might be of interest there. So Brisbane Inner West, I've just got the list here of the suburbs. Um, it ranges from Ashgrove. Uh, through Orkinflower, Barden, Milton, Paddington. Uh, it actually includes Red Hill. I didn't realise that. And uh, to Wong. So fairly diverse uh, range. So looking at some of the bigger trends for Brisbane in the West, uh, inventory levels did rise up above six. Um, after a, you know, most of the year, they sat below four. So that would generally have a fairly significant, you know, that big jump. So jump from under four to about six months of inventory, just above six. Usually that about in about three months time after that big significant shift up has an impact on price. I don't think we've seen all of that flow through to the pricing just yet. Um, but we have seen prices start to decline since August. Um, and there's, you know, fair, that's a, a pretty significant drop down. But this is often the case when you get above $1.5 million, you get a little bit more volatility in those markets. Um, you know, give it five or 10 years, you'll be saying when they're above $2 million. Um, so in Sydney mm. now, that the volatility doesn't necessarily kick in at $1.5. It really kicks in above 2 
So we're just seeing that the price differentials between. So, you know, we used to view a million dollars as a very expensive area. Now we're kind of saying, you know, maybe 1.5 is an expensive area. Um, but uh, so, yes, we are seeing some prices come down. We saw, you know, listings come up. Listings, a fairly significant jump in listings from June. Um, but uh, but when we look at it and say, okay, where do we think prices are going now? Listings are leveled out the last couple of months and the um, bias or the compositional bias measure that I'm looking at here is 61% of the listings are above that median. So I think there's going to be a compositional bias that puts its uh, finger on the scale slightly and pushes and nudges prices up above the current median. And that's another interesting um, observation. So that's very different. In fact, it's the opposite to what we saw in the Brisbane inner region, um, whereby there was a larger volume of properties for sale below the median here in the Brisbane inner western suburbs. And as you point out, some very um, different types of properties across these regions, but you are looking at some of the more exclusive parts of Brisbane, um, capturing Ashgrove, Barden, Paddington, um, etc. Now in this region, there's more properties for sale that are above that median value. So um, also, let's not forget that also translates to more options for people looking for that type of property as well. Well, you couldn't find anything, could you? I mean, That's it's been right. a really tough few years. And and I think, you know, a lot of people are panicking or reacting and, you know, the headlines have, are, are all negative, but the reality is all we're doing is returning back to normal. That's yeah. right, yeah. And it's interesting because I look at this data and I know we've got a home buyer shopping in this area um, and they're a budget around that $2 million price point. And until the last couple of weeks, there's not been a lot to show them, but um, just in the last couple of weekends, there's more options that have come to the market. There's more properties that we're able to show them that meet their brief. Um, and that's in line with the the information that you've got. So that's why, you know, this, this is really fascinating to me because when you can see data that really correlates strongly with what we're seeing on the ground, it just makes sense. And that's why I wanted to invite you on the podcast to talk through this. So let's have a look at the next area. So we're headed down to Capalabar. Yes. Big, big change on this one. Massive. So maybe we'll start with the, the, that compositional bias metric. We've mm. got 70, 73% of the listings that I've just searched uh, this afternoon came in above the current SA3 rolling median. So that's 73%. That's a very big, strong bias that tells me that that's going to be nudging prices up. Mm. So we've got a, a, a bias towards an increased price because of the composition of what's for sale. But often the case is you end up with a lot more listings above the median if the median's had a fairly significant deep dive. And it has been diving since May. It's just ticked over September. It seemed to kind of bottom out. So it might be the start of some green shoots in this particular market. It might. Um, sometimes it could be just a blip in the data. Um, but it's uh, we've got one data point in September that was the low point, And then it's come up in October. So I would say because of that compositional bias of 73% of listings above the median, I'm going to argue that there's a good possibility that price the price might go up again in the next couple of months. And that'll be based on the median value trend of, you know, what is actually selling in the area. Yeah, and it's an affordable area too. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of Sydney siders um, don't mind the, the the design, the architecture, a lot of the Brisbane, you know, the old school Brisbane people, if you're born and bred in Brisbane, you look for the Queenslanders and whatnot. Yeah. Capalabar is your, your typical brick 
you know, 80s, 90s designs. So, but a lot of people from Melbourne or Sydney don't mind that whatsoever. Absolutely. And a lot of, and a lot of people down um, from down south moving up this way don't mind the, the Bay Area, which is where we're probably heading next anyway. We're looking yeah. down Cleveland, Stradbroke area. Yes. Yeah, so uh, obviously fairly diverse markets. Um, so we look at there, the inventory level's been fairly steady rising since April. So it's just it's just hit about around the five month mark now, um, which is kind of the, I've used the term normal. You know, we, we're getting back to normal. Anything below three has always kind of been a very strong uh, seller's market. We're now getting back to a fairly balanced market. The question will be: Is where will that trend continue? Will it start to flatten out now? I think it will, and I think it'll just return to a, a fairly stable equilibrium. Um, listings have been fairly flat. You know, they, they ticked up a little bit in May and haven't really done too much since then. So they've been holding steady. So when you look at that and you say if listings have been fairly flat since May, but inventory's building up, it tells you demand's dropped off a little bit. Mm. So, you know, it is a ratio. We're measuring both supply and demand. So when inventory's growing, but listings are fairly stable, that tells me demand is the driver here. We've, we've seen demand drop back a bit. Uh, house prices have been fairly stable fairly flat since June. Um, so it hasn't been a, a volatile market price-wise. It's been a fairly steady growth rate. Um, but, you know, it's one of those markets where the median is slightly below 800. So it's a relatively affordable market. Com- you know, for most, compa- compared to most other places across the East Coast, it's a very affordable area. And with the compositional bias there, 44% of the properties selling in the Cleveland Stradbroke SA3, um, 44% are selling above the median for oh, that. Listed area. above, yeah. So okay. I'd, I'd probably say that's kind of okay. I don't think that's going to create too much bias one way or another. Yeah, okay. So fairly anything, sort of anywhere between 40 and 60% is is considered ideal. But if we're swaying a little bit more one way or another, it's really starting to mix up the messaging in terms of the median trend. Exactly. So the next one we, we're going to, um, can you, Mount Gravatt, yes. over on this one, 65%, I see. Yeah, so the, again, um, a, a similar scenario where we've got, well, this did come off, um, this has been hovering well above a million dollars, the median, for some mm. time. And it's just come back towards that $1 million mark. So it's been a, a fairly steady, gradual decline in the median price since May. Um, so we're down around that $1 mil mark now. Uh, listings were or have been listings have been fairly steady on the increase all year month on month all year listings going up inventory now is just above four months so again that's been fairly steady rising up as well so what that tells me is the prices have come down to a point where it's actually i think resulting in the reason why we've got 65 percent of the current listings are above the median it's because the median's probably dip just that little bit too far and I, I i've got a bit of a feeling there it might kind of bounce back a little bit mm, okay anyone shopping in the market at mount gravatt there's a, a hot tip from kent um himself and then look this is all data related obviously boots on the ground is what determines the number of buyers turning up at inspections the number of people bidding at auctions but um this is why i love this data it's sort of you know predicting what could happen and then overlay that with um real-time observations and you'll get a really good understanding of, you know, what might what direction the market might be moving. Um, the second last location that we'd like to cover in today's podcast is Sandgate. So this is another Bayside location, but to the north of the CBD, um, quite a 
big compositional bias there with 73% of current listings above that median value. Kent, what do you make of this? Yeah, so again, we've pretty much had steady month-on-month declines in prices, but not large, very small incremental changes. So we peaked in you know early 800s um, around the start of the year, and now we've kind of dropped down a, a reasonable amount, um, and we're hovering around that 715K mark now. So what that's resulted in is 73% of the listings um, being above that mark. Um, so I, I, probably the big driver for me here is that inventory levels have tipped above six months. Mm. And that is that is a, a little bit high when you consider that we've been down around that two to three month mark for so long to suddenly see an area and market jump above six. That does come as a little bit of a shock to the system. And more often than not, you will have to see some, some price adjustment to get that down to a four or five month mark. Um, so it just depends on who's selling and why they need to sell. So maybe, you know, everybody flocked to the Bayside suburbs in, in this particular area 12 months ago due to COVID. That's when, you know, your, your inventory levels were two to three. 12 months later, people are um, perhaps choosing more convenient locations as opposed to lifestyle locations. Look, that's not always the reason, but, um, you know, sometimes telling the story behind why this might be the case Um often helps to to make sense of the data and understand well what, why is the data showing this and um, and that's just one example of what could have happened yeah I think one of the biggest drivers of across the country at the moment is borrowing capacity so as soon as soon as borrowing capacity um, was constrained with the interest rate rises uh, we saw that have a significant impact on a lot of markets and one of the key metrics that I like to look at is obviously household income mm-hmm. so that drives your borrowing capacity I also like to look at socioeconomics so if you go into an area where uh, the socioeconomics might be average or below average and income levels household income levels are average or below average uh, that rise in interest rates is going to have a significant and direct impact on house prices very good point to raise. Um, I know we get often asked about, well, what is the impact of rising interest rates on on the Brisbane property market? And my answer is always, what which part of the Brisbane property market? Because, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's going rising interest rates doesn't impact all people in the same way. Obviously, high income earners are much less affected. Um, they simply cut some of that discretionary spend compared to low-income earners who are significantly impacted. So to your point, absolutely, demographic information, income um, information, all of that needs to be overlaid with, with what we're looking at here and, um, and, yeah, very good observation to make. So the last one we're going to jump on to is Sunnybank. And when people go through these, just watching as we go through this report for the listeners, if you actually download this and then probably listen to the, the podcast. It'll give you an idea because as you're talking about it, I'm literally watching everything on the screen and seeing those the movement. And it's actually really easy to understand when you've got someone talking you through this report, I must say. And this is from someone that doesn't typically and listen. I'm not a data person. What data? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I mean, that was the intent. I, um, I put all the charts in the software on the map um, one under another. So you can kind of look at you know, October 2021 aligns to October 2021 on all of the, the charts, the three charts, and, and it runs through to October 2022. Um, Sunnybank um, 
really took a nosedive in its inventory level uh, down to, you know, around that two-month mark in January. So things were still really interesting. Uh, and then it's just had that steady increase in inventory month on month on month through to now. So it's just about to hit that six-month mark, which, you know, all things equal, I'd say that's a fairly high level of inventory. Um, um, so listings volumes have been fairly steady since March. So what that tells me is demand has fallen back, and I attribute a lot of that loss of demand during due, due to interest rate movement. Uh, house prices were fairly steady all year and then started to dip around May. So um, I'd, I'd probably um, say that um, that may not be the case, but what we need uh, may not be the case ongoing, that downwards price pressure, but we need to look at inventory at the same time. And w- with inventory going up the way it is, I can't put my hand on my heart and say just because 74% of the listings are above the median that that compositional bias is enough to see prices surge. But if I... If I could see that inventory levels were flattening or starting to decline and that level of compositional bias above the median, I'd be a little bit bit more um, uh, confident saying that the prices could turn around. But I think it's got a little bit more adjustment to go. And I think that, um, you know, what you've highlighted there is just understanding how all of these metrics work together is what property buyers need to to account for because no measure alone but in, in isolation is going to be a good measure of what's likely to happen in the future. I mean, you know, we look at the core logic data all the time. We track that median value month to month and we, we share that information with our listeners and that is all of Brisbane. In fact, it's all of Greater Brisbane. I think it's more than um, 15,000 square kilometres, sorry, more than 10,000 square kilometres of um, geographical location that's incorporated into that Brisbane price movement. And Brisbane um, hit its peak house price in June and, and every month since then it's been retracting when we look at the overall data. But I think what you've highlighted here today and certainly unpacked for our viewers or our listeners is that it's not the same in every SA3 region here in Brisbane and it's so important to understand what's happening at a local level even within a capital city market because not all parts of a capital city are doing the same thing at the same time. And I'm so thankful that you've been able to share this information with us today because I think it's groundbreaking type of research for the property industry to get down to this granular level and and break apart some of the big data that, that does exist that tends to influence consumers in a market because that is the big data that most people rely upon to make their big property decisions. Great. Thank you for the opportunity. So, I mean, can I look with with our team here at Streamline Property Buyers? I think we have a, a bit of a combination where Melinda's the, the data nerd and I'm the builder, bringing it down to earth and being practical. After this today, you might convert me. I don't know, <laughs> but it was really, really interesting. I must say, from someone that doesn't, you know, I'm not the real data sort of person, like Melinda and yourself. Um, but having a look at that, I'm sure that um, not only myself, but I'm sure a lot of other listeners will jump on your website which is suburbtrends.com, correct? That's the one, yep. And look, jump on there, have a look at your own street, have a look at the, the top streets, uh, the top 20 streets, I think you said it was. Um, yep, just enter your suburb and we rank the top 20. Yep, I think people should go and have a look. I, I'd highly recommend it. Um, download the report that you've been really, really um, kind to do that for us today. Um, look, from myself and Melinda, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's, it has been extremely interesting. Um, 
as usual, I'll let Melinda wrap it up, say a final goodbye. Um, but from me, thanks very much and talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you. I'm really grateful that you've joined us today. Thanks again. And um, we appreciate all of the information that you've shared. Great. I appreciate the opportunity. And next time I'm in Brisbane, I'll come knocking. Definitely. Absolutely. We'd love to catch up with you over a coffee or a, a beverage. But look, um, we'll arrange that at another time. But um, in the meantime, thank you to all of our listeners that continue to tune in each week. If you like this content, please share with your family and friends. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoy what you are hearing. Until next week, we look forward to speaking with you again then. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and, of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.